I'm Alfonso Mendoza, host of the My Ed Tech Life podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Susie Pepper Rollins. That's right. She is back on the show. And uh, just as a note, she specializes in helping teachers reach kids who are struggling in class. And today we're talking about her latest book, The Promise of Acceleration. You're going to learn so much. It's going to help you focus on uh, what you need to do with the kids who are struggling. Yeah. And uh, that's what she's good at. Lots to learn today. Thanks for being here. Oh, by the way, before you go, it would be so cool if you went to my website, stevenmoletto.com slash reviews and left a review. Could you say something nice? Maybe uh, five stars also? That would be so cool. Also, you can go there and check out all the other stuff I offer uh, and maybe uh, subscribe to my email list. That would be very nice. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the show. It's the education podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests, and they share what they know. So crank it up the tin and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. Susie Pepper Rollins is an author, consultant, and speaker who works with schools across North America to create success in all learners. Her particular passion is to change the academic trajectory of vulnerable learners. She's the author of Learning in the Fast Lane and Teaching in the Fast Lane, both by ASCD. Her book, Teaching Vulnerable Learners by W.W. W. Norton, details strategies for students who are bored, discouraged, or just ready to give up. In addition, she is the founder of Math in the Fast Lane, which aligns with her principles of captivating hands-on tasks. You go to mathinfastlane.com um, to find out some more. Susie can be reached at her website, susiepepperrollins.com, or via Twitter at myedexpert. And we'll have all that information in the show notes. Today, our focus is on her latest, The Promise of Acceleration. Oh, this is going to be cool. Susie, thanks for joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Hi, 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 and hello, Dr. Mileto. You know I love you. <laughs> love you too, Susie. This is awesome. This is welcome back. And this <laughs> this is so cool. And you're always in different places, got so many things going on, and you got such cool hands-on practical books, which is so cool. Uh, let's start with a little about your new book, The Promise of Acceleration. What makes it different from other books that you've written and what's its purpose? Well, number one, it's not really a, a regular book. <laughs> I'm trying something different. This is a, a workbook. It's a guidebook. You draw in it, you write in it. There are fun activities, so you can color in it if you feel up to it. The purpose of this book, my vision here is for schools and districts that want to move more towards acceleration and maybe diminish some of the remedial components then this is a guidebook. You read chapter one, you got some ideas, let's do some planning. You read chapter two, hey, that looks pretty good. Look, we can use that. Here's some planning. So it is a guide to plant. And my vision, my hope is by the time you finish this short workbook, you'll have a plan for your most academically vulnerable learners. These kids who may not even want to be getting on the bus right now, how can we change the trajectory of their lives? Because the promise of acceleration is we're not going to give up on you, okay? We're, you're still our kids. And you, and you may not have raised your hand this whole year right now, but we're going to change things up a little bit and change this academic trajectory. So it is a guidebook, a workbook, and it's only on Amazon. So if you go in and type in The Promise of Acceleration, all my books, you can type in Susie Pepper Rollins, 
and you can, and all of them are very similar and they're very research-based. Next day, this is what we can do. This is how all that research looks in our classroom. I love it. I love it. And this is, uh, this is taking you to that, uh, next step, which is, which I think is so cool because it's a workbook. It's the, it, it, you're getting practicality is becoming, it's totally it. So I think that's, what's neat. Really one of the things that's really neat about it. You know, the title of the book is the promise of acceleration. All right. So what's that promise? What's that mean? All right. So the promise of acceleration is number one, just the nuts and bolts of this world is it is there there are some really good test results that can come from this right this academic success we can increase their academic achievement in my first book learning in the fast lane i outlined a handful of schools that i'd worked with on how they had changed one of them was a high school that just switched to this approach now what is we when we talk about acceleration you think of physics you know or you think of driving a car you're you're pumping it you know you're hitting it which I have had some difficulty with in the past on that acceleration and with some police departments across the country, but that's another story. But acceleration is different. We're going to actually get you prepared for class. We're, we're, we're not going to, we're going to try to avoid some of those interventions down the road and really get you where you can be successful in class. So the first part is it's very promising when you look at the research. But furthermore, we're looking at the promise. I'm making a promise to you, my students, and I, we love you. And you know what? You've had you've hit some speed bumps, and we haven't seen your hand up in a while. Um, but we're we're going to try some new things and really reignite your motivation and enthusiasm for learning. Here's something that I've noticed, Dr. Mileto. You know, I'm in lots of classrooms around the country. I taught middle and high, but when I'm in elementary, I don't even know how they do it. But I'll be in an elementary classroom, and so many children want to participate. They all have their hands up. They can't wait to share that teachers have to have these systems, like they draw bunnies out of hats or they draw cards or, or popsicle sticks or spinning wheels because everybody wants to participate. And then I'll go into a high school, and I, I got those same three hands up. So why, what happened to all the hands being up? That's the dilemma. Why, why are they not? participating as much. Now, we know from the research that older students tend to not participate as much, um, but when you look at our academically vulnerable students, there's a reason they're not participating. Many of them are already thinking in their brain, you know what, the answer may not be what? Pretty sure it's not going to be right. And number two, if I answer and it's wrong, I'm going to feel what? I'm going to feel embarrassed or people are going to look at me. So so all students tend to participate less as they get older. And now we look at our pockets of kids who have not been doing well in school. They want to withdraw from tasks, avoid tasks, avoid school, because it has just been a hard – you know, I look at it this way. Being an academically vulnerable learner can almost be like a grown-up who's in a job that they really are not doing well in, you know. But every day we got the alarm clock goes off, and I got to get on the bus, and I got to get down there, and the boss is hovering, hovering, and nobody's talking to him, and nobody wants to eat lunch with me, and and I hate going to my job. The difference is, as an adult, I can find a new career. They have to get on that bus. So I can't imagine the stress and how it feels to be. And I make the case when I'm working with teachers and everybody nods with me, I think it takes courage to be an academically vulnerable learner and still show up. You know, I, to cross that threshold, and Dr. Mulatto, you and I have known each other for years when I was doing work with kids who hadn't passed certain tests, passed whatever classes. And and in the summer, we would welcome them with open arms. I'm just so glad you're here. We've got to do something great today. So that's the promise I'm 
I made it a little too lengthy there, but the promise is we're not going to give up on you. This is going to work. And we're going to, that maybe that we're going to try something new today, right? With our kids who have not been doing very well in school. I think that's so powerful because uh, sometimes, especially by the time they get into high school, it's so easy for them to just try and get the teacher to just give up on them by simply uh, showing that they're not caring or not try. And then the teacher gives them possibly what they're thinking, which is they'll go away by just giving them an F or a zero and, and leave them alone. But uh, it's kind of cool that what you're talking about doesn't allow that to happen. <laughs> well, it's kind of why I always, I never do like thumbs up as a formative assessment because everybody's going to put the thumb, but that just means leave me alone. Or if I hold it you know, at an angle, you know, I can't tell the parent they know 63% of that because their thumb was at an angle. So I, I don't do, you know, assessments like that. So I'm looking at a way to get these kids sparked because what you're talking about is what we often see. Not a lot of times I go in classrooms where everybody's doing great. You know, that's not the, you know, we see great teaching everywhere, but I'm inspired by the teaching I see every day. Um, but for students who are for not doing particularly well, that's an easy deal to make where the teacher does all the work, those handful of students raise their hands, I'm off the radar, you know, so I can just sort of uh, avoid this, right? So I'm, I'm going to do the opposite of that. And when, we t when, and when we think about what works with academic and vulnerable learners, sometimes it is kind of the opposite, so. That's so right, so right. Uh, good stuff. I, all right, so. What is instruction typically like for students who've gotten behind? I mean, what really works for them? I mean, they, they, they get lost or left behind, not to kind of restate something from the past, but uh, I mean, what's it, what's it usually, what, what really works for them? What's, it, what, what's the world look like for them? Well, again, I'm in classrooms all the time and I see fantastic teaching, but I'm going to go to the research and the research says that students who've been on this path, so think of a K-12 path. They enter our district in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. There are a lot of opportunities to get behind, okay? We know kindergarten, a lot's on their shoulders in kindergarten, right? And students who come in having been read to a lot and certain experiences tend to jump off to a, a really big start. Around third grade, we start a lot of testing. A lot of things happen around that year. Sixth and seventh grades, that's when math self-efficacy starts to drop. Ninth grade is the highest failure year. So we have, a, it's a long journey and a lot of times where students can falter. And so what, what I'm advocating for is let's interject in a different way to turn this around. Because if you think about, if you've ever been in a class where you didn't do well, you know, mine was physics in college. I don't know what he was talking about, but yet everybody around me was taking copious notes. And I kept thinking, what you're writing down? You know, I, I didn't hear a thing that was worthy of me writing down. So I started dreading going to that physics class. That's what can happen because we're, we're just in, we're going to not, right? And they can, can really be stressed out. So here's what we typically do for them. We see their deficits. We've got all these elaborate spreadsheets, color-coded, of every deficit you have. And that's important. Okay, I'm not minimizing the prereq skills because that will help them solve math, be better in math and every, everything else. But if it's just a deficit-based program, what it looks like are worksheets and screens and passivity and isolation and less rapport with their teachers. Right. That's what you see. They we start pulling them out, grouping them together, scheduling them together, and they do work to sort of try to catch them up. So this has become sort of this path they can go down. Their relationships are formed with every other people who are not successful. So what works? Does that work? Passive instruction where I'm sitting by myself and not a great relationship with the teacher? No. What not works? Dynamic, captivating, wow stuff. <laughs> 
And then we wring our hands and wonder why they're not motivated. You know, or, or we tell them to work harder. And yes, we learn to work harder. But remember that the brain needs two things to work. A, can I do this? I mean, am I going to, is there a chance I can be successful? Because I might do it if I have this good chance. And B, is the task valuable enough for me to risk failure again? Because they're going on a limb with us over and over and over. And and to be able to get them to go on that academic limb with us to try to 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 really work hard again, we they it has to be those things. Now, so that's kind of what I'm talking about is a different way to approach approach academic vulnerability because you know that that I don't know that that path. This is where this this is where this started for me, Dr. Mulatto. I had a group of students. That at that point in time, it was sort of whatever you want to call it, a caseload, whatever you want to call it. I recognize these names. We're seeing these same names from last year. So were we really closing everything and moving forward if it's the same kids on the list, right? So I called their parents, and I was going to, going to try acceleration. I called their parents, and I said, look, I'd like to try something new. Now, these were students who were failing multiple courses, and I said, I would like to get your child ahead. What are your thoughts ahead of everyone else? What are your thoughts? What do you think parents said? Um, I, are you, love it. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, they, they would let me probably no brainer, right? raise them now. Yeah, I'll keep them at my house because they don't know what to do anymore. Right. So I took these this group, and what I did is found out what Dr. Mileto was teaching today in science and what Miss Baker's teaching in math, and I jumped them ahead of everybody else. And we saw such a change, we set them up for accelerate for success. That's what acceleration does. Nice. I like that. You know, it's uh and 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 what's really cool is that uh, you know, you to me what it does is it's the adults start thinking a different way too, as far as they're concerned. So it's 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 like a whole different focus when uh, you use one word versus the other and those two words are you know or what i want to ask you about is that uh, you've got one word over here we've got remediation and so over here we're talking about acceleration so what's the difference between those two and it, it seems to be a question that people ask you it's a big it's really a big question when i'm out because we do need to remediate prereq skills right if I need that in math today on equivalent fractions, we may have to take a second look at that. The difference is all the remediation is done just in time, in context, only what that child needs to stay in tomorrow, okay? A remedial approach tends to be more of a laundry list of deficits. So with this misconception that if we just plug all these holes, they're gonna be just fine today. But here's what we run the risk of. If over here I'm doing this, but in math we're not even teaching that today, right? So the student did not transfer it, apply it, realize success today. Acceleration has an entirely different mission than remediation. So buckle up. Acceleration is to help them do well on today's concepts right alongside their peers. Because we don't, number one, we don't want to get new gaps, right? That's called the Matthew effect, where we accidentally, even though we're working our hearts out, so I need them to get today's concept, right? We, 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 want, to, we want to put the shovel down, <laughs> stop digging the hole, and then we scaffold forward. What does that mean? That means if it's angles, I got a little fun device for them. If it's uh, parts of speech, I've got something for them. I've got a little bookmark on figurative language, whatever it is they're missing. So it's a journey they're on. So this process is we look at the go at the at the learning targets and we say, all right, let's what would we need? What would a child need to know to be successful today? That's the only thing we remediate today. But 
So my world, I try to in, uh, talk about doing an 80-20, 80% forward. Let's get them ready for class on the new topic. The 20% is let's pick up the most urgent pieces. Now, that sometimes that's not possible. If there are a lot of prereqs, we have to spend more time on that. But other other learning targets have no prereq skills, right, or, or missing pieces. A lot of acceleration is built on the research that is a, that we could fill this room on on prior knowledge. The number one thing that helps someone learn is what? What I already know. That's sense. how we build. That's how we learn. We attach. So what we're doing for these kids is giving them something on tide, starting slow, starting the Pythagorean theorem. And now they walk into Gen Ed, or what we call in the States Tier 1, but that's not what it's called in other places. And that student hears about Pythagorean theorem, but guess what? Oh, Miss Pepper just talked about that this morning. And I already know a little bit. And darn if those hands don't go up. They didn't even realize the hand went up. They didn't know it still worked. But they got their hands up in the air because guess what? I know that. And I feel pretty confident that the answer is going to be close to right. And that teacher is going to say what? Well done. That's awesome. It's, you know, it's uh the whole change in kind of attitude, the, the thought process, as opposed to, I can't do this, I didn't, couldn't do it before, and it's just going to be more of the same, versus starting to see that I can do this, and it won't be more of the same. And it's just a, you know, a change in a little bit of the, you know, the, the pronouns and the vocabulary and the different words that are used and how they're talk, uh, spoken with also, the impact that it has as they're learning. I will say that, and the subtitle of the book is a strength-based plan to propel academically vulnerable learners. And you are absolutely correct. It is a it is a it is a process. Some great instructional strategies, but it's also a mindset shift that you can be successful today. And and we're turning this corner with you. And and here's the thing: we talk a lot about self-efficacy with students, particularly adolescents and how they lose their academic confidence, but academic self-efficacy can only be gained from success. The only way we get stronger is from realizing, wow, so all the great stuff that we learn about social, emotional, all that stuff is wonderful. But at the end of the day, they need to get a math problem right on a sticky note because they know they're behind, right? I can't just tell them you can do it all day. I need to get a math problem that's close to being right where I can commend that student and say what? Oh, you know what? You are, oh my gosh, look at that. Would you look at that? And success is addictive. That tells the brain what? Oh, I'm so going to do this some more. Get there. Right? Yes. So, so I, I, you know, I want to build their self-efficacy, but remember that self-efficacy comes from success. It is a cycle and they have gotten Students who keep raising their hands are in that cycle. We want all of them to be in that cycle. Nice, right? nice, yes. We want all, they're over here in this other cycle. I'm going to turn, I'm going to change that cycle today. That's what acceleration can do. That is so powerful because that is, you know, that, just a little bit of success. I mean, I having, having had some of that myself where, you know, you get, uh, you know, and you, whether it's high school or college, those, those are two places where you experience a couple of things. And, uh, you know, talking about uh, a, uh, a certain uh, Calc 2 class that I'll remember very well <laughs> and a chemistry class that, you know, one of those things where you start going, uh, all of it starts sounding like uh, stuff that you don't really get or anything like that. And somebody sits down with you and says, but look here, all right, look what you're doing right here is where you stop doing it right. So let's look at what you did wrong. And then suddenly your brain starts going, oh, if I would have just paid a little more attention right there, I, I was almost there. And I, 
I think that's what happen what happens with a lot of kids is they don't get that opportunity to encourage themselves actually because they don't they no oh, it's wrong I did it wrong you know but if they if they get a chance to see that they are actually on the right path that uh, uh, let's see what we can do to get you push you and keep going because you're going in the right direction so I love this uh, you know one of the things that uh, um, you talk about is how acceleration changes the academic trajectory of vulnerable learners. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I mean, it, it really, I think I've kind of already mentioned that along the way that if you sometimes want to do trainings, I put on the wall K one, two, three, you know, just all the way to 12th grade. Think about all the every day, you know, for seven hours a day, we're going to miss some things. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to miss some things. And just because the state or whatever said that you need to understand place value right now doesn't mean that's sunk in today. So this this is, you know, what's interesting about acceleration is it would it works for every child. It, if When I was struggling in physics, if someone had pulled me inside and said, Susie, let me just show you a quick video about force. Let me give you a formula that you're going to need. I would have done better that day. Parents instinctively know this when it's little league time, they get their gloves out and get out in the yard before, before the, you know, the season even starts. We instinctively know I want to get my child what? Get him, get him some practice. Get him, get some, him out there. Get right. Him out so, there, yeah. Right. So, I mean, I think that's, that's what that, that can, can we, we're going to, we're going to change this. We're going to change this cycle of wherever we are, futility or whatever you want to call it and get them over in this cycle of success, this success loop. I want them in the success loop. Because you know what? I look at high school kids, and, and again, I see fa- fabulous teaching everywhere I go. But if I see a student who's not participating anymore, I look at that child, and I think, I bet he was raising his hand when he was seven. Right, right. So I want to find that seven-year-old. I like that. <laughs> down there. Everybody wants to be successful. Every child wants to be successful. So I don't care if I have to go 17 layers deep. I'm going to find that part of you that wants to be successful. Love it. That's so awesome it really is because that's uh sometimes that's the part that we just let go dormant for a little, for a while and uh um, we forget about that 17 year old going i got i got it i got it i want to answer i want to answer i can do this you know that type of thing um it, so how can we balance gaps with moving forward i mean because obviously there's going to be some gaps that happen there how, how can we how can we kind of overcome that well i will say that acceleration is an imperfect process so if you're looking for something perfect or something you can purchase, or you know, whatever. It's not. I've got to see where they're where they are and what we can do, and I've got to tweak along the way. I will say, you know, we, we're it's always forward moving, but there are times that if students have a test that day and that's all they can think past, I'm going to help them on that, right? So when I plan with teachers, we create our unit maps, and then we say we step back and say, what would you really need to know to be able to be good at slope? And that's the only thing we worry about today. So I think it's a tactical laser-like focus because when we see students with a lot of deficits, particularly as they get older, just because they've studied so much, right? There's a tendency to feel we're a little overwhelmed by all their deficits. So I think the best advice I could give is get laser focus on that learning target for Tuesday and Wednesday. They only need equivalent fractions. Let's only tackle that. Now, places that really do beautifully well on acceleration, it's a heavily collaborative piece between Tier 1 or Gen Ed and the accelerator, okay? 
So I've got to know, I don't need their whole lesson plans, but I just need to know on Wednesday, you're going to be teaching this. What are the critical vocabulary? And what are maybe two prereq skills? Not all of my prereq skills. And then I'm going to get them started. We typically don't want to be more than two days out. I find that the programs that work best are like that morning, a zero period, or the afternoon before. We don't want to go too long, you know, between me introducing it to you and the other gen ed teacher introducing it. And then I need to be talking back and forth with that person because there may need to be some other remediation needed ongoing because we're teaching something new now. So this is a, a process that's deaf. They're heavily connected, this relationship between tier one or gen ed and our accelerator. And you mentioned the name of it. It's important they know they're behind. I don't need to attach a label of remedial or whatever to them. They know they're behind. Their parents are they're behind. I know they're behind. That is not helpful, okay? And, and you know, I walked, I was doing a program, went by on the marquee. It said remedial. I said, no, you know, there's seven. To, we're going to know. You know, these are kids. These are learners, right? I got some gaps, all right? <laughs> I, I'm still struggling with, with percentages. So, you know, let's, uh, let, let's, let's get through that. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not minimizing the gaps because particularly in math, which is one of the number one ways that we accelerate. You know, when you look at remedial, you know, math is the number one course to be remediated from 612 in college, right? I'm going to be able to solve that problem and not get frustrated if I know my integer rules, right? So it's we're not minimizing that. What I'm saying is let's be tactical and look at the research. The research shows we don't learn well out of context and I don't remember it. So right when that student needs integer rules is what? <laughs> When we look at them again, give them a scaffolding device with something for an integer rule so they go in powerful and they've got what they need. Some of these things are memory. Right. They just can't remember all of this, right? It's been a lot. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Very good point. Because that's, you know, especially when they take, when it, if, if we're doing things, we take it out of context. We're, we're reintroducing it to them to try and help them. We mean well, but because it's so detached from where they might be using it, it, it kind of, yeah, 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 goes in one ear <laughs> and comes out somewhere else. <laughs> but, you know, uh, but, uh, good stuff. I, all right, so you, you've mentioned a couple of things about, you know, kids doing or uh, wanting them to do or them wanting to do. I mean, how do we motivate students who are behind? You know, I'm going to tell you, that's, that's a, big, a big question. And, um, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, I travel all the time, and I'm, I feel like I've got a pretty good feel of, what's happening around the country. And um, I hear many times they have trouble getting kids to even sign up for tutoring, getting them to come, missing classes, showing up late. I'm here, but I have a pencil, you know I mean? And, and so um, it's, it's perfectly normal to want to avoid a task. that's not going well for me or, or school's not going well for me. Right. We know that there's a connection between many times the academic, how I'm doing academically and my behavior. And I'm not meaning anything. When I say behavior, I mean task avoidance. Just, just I don't want to do, I'm not going to jump in anymore because I'll just be a failure again, right? So here are some things. Motivation is very fascinating. So I'm going to give you five motivational tips. So grab a pencil, grab something. And then think, when I talk about these, think about what the world is like for many kids who've gotten in an academic hole. One of the big things that motivates them is called vicarious success. Now, have you? I love that show, the British Baking Show. I'm the worst cook on the planet, and yet I watch, I'll binge watch 
the baking show, and I'm certain that uh, that I was meant to be a baker, that this was really where I went on a wrong turn. And I will go and buy equipment. I don't even have a mixer. I'm out buying pots and pans and things. Now, I made this elaborate cake. Probably cost me $300 by the time I bought all the equipment. And, and it was just so mediocre, right? I could have done a better job going down to the grocery store. But the point is vicarious success. Another example is Wimbledon. When Wimbledon's on, more people do what? Let's get a racket. Right, right. Exactly. Ball, right? <laughs> so what is vicarious success? So I'm around people who have some enthusiasm for this, seem to be participating. It's not hurting them. I want to what? Bake a cake. Right. Right? So with the, with our students who've been struggling, we, we we're seeing that spreadsheet. And again, we're all working so hard with these kids. Okay, this is a challenging world we're in. I have, this is I've done this for years. Okay, they will bring you to tears. So, but if we are separating them, pulling them out, putting with other people who don't want to be there, they're all in a math class where nobody passed math last time. That is a and then you assign a, a teacher, right? Thank you so much for that. How am I going to get that vicarious success going? So I've got to get vicarious. So that's one. Number two, you mentioned earlier, feedback. Hardly anything moves a kid faster than feedback. Quick feedback. You know what? You're on the right track, Dr. Mulatto. You just got your sign wrong. Look at this and get your sign right. And that is golden, right? That's feedback. That that moves them very quickly. Um, Goals. Setting goals is very big for all of us on, on setting goals. So vicarious success, feedback. Uh, setting goals, and this is a big one. If I've been out in buildings and principals will ask me, What's the first? Where do we start? First thing we do, I always say, How we open class. Okay, I'm not a do now warm up person. We know that students learn the most in the first few minutes, we know they retain the most. That is going to establish how curious I am, how excited I am, how interesting this is. Is it valuable? And oh, by the way, do I think I can do it? All in those opening minutes. So I call that the golden time. So in the opening minutes, they need to be our most powerful. That can be a demonstration. That could be, uh, you know, I saw this at Seneca High School. A shout out to Seneca High School in Louisville, Kentucky. This physics teacher, I went in to see his classroom, and he had a, a bed of nails at the front of the door. He said, you can come in, but you got to walk across the bed of nails. So I said, okay. So I walked across the bed of nails. His opener, all the kids did that. His question was about physics principles that allow you to what? Why didn't that hurt you? What if we'd had the nails farther apart? Right. So the opening minutes are are huge in terms of getting, so that, that, okay, why is that so important? If I can get a student talking to their partner, I got a great idea. Wow, that was fun walking across those nails. Success is addictive. That trick, those endorphins go off, right? They're like, wow, I, had a good response. And the teacher said, what? Well, that was interesting. Yes. And so that's a big one too. So vicarious success, start class off with something dynamic and captivating, uh, feedback, goal setting. Um, those are things that can really, really be So interestingly, ex, you know, extrinsic motivators don't work very well. You know, the prizes and all that, that's kind of like one researcher calls that a cup of coffee. It gives you a jolt and then it leaves 10 minutes later. Right. So it's fun. It makes school fun. I do it, you know, give them a sticker. Okay. But I'm just saying that's not going to be intrinsic motivation, which is where I want that student when I really need to rely upon. Oh my gosh, this is so powerful. And especially because it, it, you know, it's, we get caught up in this, these different worlds of trying to, I don't know, find find that thing, you know, that extra special cup of coffee that's gonna, <laughs> that's going to do the trick and uh, in an extra large cup or whatever, and it doesn't 
really work that way. It just appears to once in a while. I think it's so, so powerful what you're talking about. One of the things that uh, has got to stand out as you work with people and you work with people working with young people, trying to get them motivated, trying to get them accelerated and so forth is uh, there's got to be certain teacher traits that uh, really match well with struggling learners. What do you think those are? You know, it is honestly, I'm so glad you asked that. It's one of the most, uh, some of the most amazing research. Now, I'm going to I'm going to tell you this book, but it's a deep dive book. Okay, this is not a page turner. It should not be made into a movie. All right, but <laughs> nice, it, nice. It is called Self Efficacy Beliefs of Adolescents, and I have it right here. But it's it's edited by Dr. Frank Baharis and Tim Erden. There's a chapter in here from a researcher. Sorry about that. Named uh, Hoy. There's a researcher named Hoy, and the whole chapter I've got highlighted and flagged. I'm like, wow. And what it talks about is really the power of that teacher, particularly for students who have not been doing very well, because their academic self-efficacy is what? Low. For good reason. I'm not jumping in this pool again with you. I tried that lady many times. Okay. But when, so who is that person? The person who's deep in content, enthusiastic about teaching, very much about students in her classroom. One something that's fascinating the research is students are motivated more motivated when they have some control, some choices, some autonomy. Motivation goes up. So again, going back to you know, instruct we normally do with kids who've been struggling is they have less control. We're going to give them more control, which may be frightening. <laughs> so that te- that that teacher that's golden is that dynamo in the building who's kind of relaxed, doesn't you know? Um, they're sitting on the floor. They're giving them a lot of feedback, and it's it's high level thinking. And here's the, but here's what's kind of interesting. The student with low self-efficacy kind of absorbs it from that teacher. The the student takes some of Dr. Mileto's energy and enthusiasm and what? Okay. Right. But guess what's even more, what's even uh, bigger than that is if I'm grouped with some kids who are doing that because they're more like me. So A, I get it from my teacher. B, I also get it from my team that they're jumping in and doing this, right? Nice. So this that is about – and that, that book helped open my eyes in terms of that big question I'm asking is why aren't they raising their hands anymore as they get older? Where, where'd you, what happened, right? And that book went a long way with me as they're on this journey and they've had bump after bump after bump. They're more and more reluctant to what? Participate and join us. Uh, and I want all of them to be, you know, jumping in and doing this, you know, because, and, and, you know, obviously we, we built those schools for them. <laughs> right. 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 Excellent. <laughs> so how do you get started? I mean, what's like scheduling or I mean, how do you how do you make this happen? Well, the workbook, which is <laughs> the workbook I'm trying tried to lay out where it's step one, two, three, four, five. Right. Um, so I'm first going to look at my kids. Right. Because. Acceleration will help everyone. It'll help you gift your kids. So who do I think, which groups of my kids? So that's going to be individual to your school. Um, sometimes it's a pocket of kids. Sometimes maybe we have an initiative like math or reading, right? So who could really benefit? Number two is time. I only had 25 minutes in the morning to accelerate math. I had 25 minutes in the afternoon for science. And I had they got a snack in the middle of that too. So I didn't have much time. But I have found that I can really do that. Uh, a zero period works where everyone goes somewhere in the morning for 25 minutes. So those math kids get to see their math teacher and get ready for the day. 
Um, there's a journal article out there from Montreal. I've worked up there a lot, and they did a beautiful, beautiful job, and they wrote a whole journal article about it. And this principal um, had this great idea. It's this elementary reading. She did a lunch and learn. And, and she had a teacher come in at lunch, and they got ready for this reading, and they, could, they were amazed. Their acceleration program expanded into what else would you like to be accelerated in? Nice. You can do a double dose. If you're middle and high, we're, more, we're kind of familiar with that double dose, a mass support, whatever you want to call it. So however you can carve out the time, uh, there was one elementary school I worked in one day, and they did, could not carve out time. You know, if they did again, I wouldn't have thought of this. At the end of the day, when the buses were coming and the kids were worn out, they had like 12 minutes. They got them together on the carpets, and they did what? Did something great for tomorrow for math. So they just accelerated everyone, Excellent. right? yes. So that's the big thing is how, who's, so when are we going to do it? Who's going to teach them? Who are our kids? And then how am I going to communicate? Here's the last big piece. How am I going to communicate with gen ed? With a biology teacher, the algebra teacher, whatever we're accelerating. I would, Some people do this so beautifully. For example, one high school I was with years ago, they had, and I saw this recently in another high school, their algebra department, the accelerator was right in the middle of them. So all day long in the hall, they talk back and forth and say, how are they doing here? This one I'm doing tomorrow. We can shore up this. And it was really this wonderful relationship between the accelerator and the gen ed teacher. That's so cool. You know, one of the things that, uh, as I'm thinking about this, as I'm thinking about um, what's going on in the classroom and such, what's, what I start wondering is, what does that acceleration class look like? I mean, what, what stands out that helps you know that it's going on in there? Well, I'll tell you, I was in a, in a building not long ago, and this was algebra. And on my schedule, it said math support. But when I went in, I looked at my schedule, I said, this clearly is not math support. Because guess what? It was more fun than I've ever had in algebra in my life. Nice. And I'm thinking, okay, this is the coolest class. I texted their <laughs> math supervisor while I'm in there and said, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it should be, when we went, when you and I first started talking today, what, what the best we know about kids, right? They were, this teacher had everybody up. They're playing games. <laughs> they're doing cool. all kinds of fun stuff with algebra. And they were doing everything right, and, and so it it shouldn't look like a it shouldn't look like a support class. It it should be hands on stations, doing sorts, doing a lab, doing a scavenger hunt, looking for all of our angles. Let's go out and measure the perimeter of the football. Let's go. Let's it. Should, if if I think about it this way, I'm thinking, in a perfect world, what would be these experiences, vocabulary? What would a prior knowledge be for a kid to latch onto this today? So, you know, if, if I see that we're going to be studying probability tomorrow in, in Gen Ed, I might do something super fun with cards, knowing that they're going to do a spinning wheel, right? So in that world, I'm going to get them started on probability and the one prereq they need, and now they go into Gen Ed, and the Gen Ed teacher says, what? We're going to be talking about probability. Well, those four students have already, what, have some prior knowledge, and oh, a little sticky note, on a prereq skill for probability. We are setting them up for success is what we're going to do. We're putting a tier in front of what? Gen ed. Right. So that we don't need as much what on the other side. And that's what we're trying to do with acceleration. Very cool. Very cool. This is, uh, you know, it. it's such a, uh, you know, a skill to want to want to do because you're just generating 
the power of uh, it's kind of like jump starting the engine. <laughs> you know, um, you used to have to with a clutch. You know, you had to if you could if the if it didn't want to start, you kind of get yourself on a hill and you start going and you pop the clutch and all of a sudden the motor's going away. You go and for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, oh. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, well, you know, <laughs> I, I will close on this painful, painful story. Um, I had a standard transmission with a clutch <laughs> and there was a little hill in our town. I was a new driver and I was at a stop sign on a hill and I didn't want to risk it being an academically vulnerable driver. <laughs> and I just waved everybody on. I was probably there a half hour until I had the courage to just floor that thing and get up that hill. So, there you go. Nice. I love it. I needed some scaffolding. I needed something. Exactly. And that's, you know, what's funny about uh, driving a clutch car is that's exactly usually what happens. Because either you got somebody yelling at you, which doesn't help. So you, you pop the clutch even more. <laughs> or, uh, you know, if I learned to drive a clutch in the Army. And so there, it just didn't matter. You just kept, and eventually you learned how to do it right from by doing it wrong. And uh but it's, uh, you know, it's a, it really kind of fits well with this. You know, it's, yeah. anyway, um, good stuff. Uh, Susie, it, it, we're closing out now. If someone wanted to learn more or contact you, where would you send them? Well, I have a very original website name, SusiePepperRollins.com. I mean, everybody wanted it, but I said, no, I'm going to grab that. <laughs> nice. um, if you're on Twitter, uh, I'm on Twitter every day. It's at MyEdExpert. Um, I don't post a lot, but if I'm in buildings, I particularly post things. I think they're super cool on there. Um, so you can always find me there. Again, the book is only on Amazon, The Promise of Acceleration. My others are there too. Um, and my whole world pretty much are helping, finding ways to help kids who have gotten, oh, I'm going to go back to that car thing stalled. They've gotten stalled, right? Nice, and we yes. need to help them with, I'm going to stop because I don't need more about cars. But <laughs> uh, anyway, happy to hear from people. On, on Twitter, if you're at Myad Expert, I'd love to hear your successes. You know, if you're accelerating and you had some cool things happen today, you know, let me know on Twitter and I'll share that with, with everybody on how great it's working for you. It's a different approach. Uh, for a, an age-old issue of kids who've gotten behind in school, and it happens for many reasons. Um, happens for many reasons, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna just start today and give them a fresh start, and they got a got a brand new start today. And it's gonna be a great day in school. That is so awesome. I, I love it, uh, Susie. Thanks so much for talking with me. It was wonderful learning about the promise of acceleration. Um, timely book. Awesome to have it out there, and glad that you're going around talking to the everybody about it. Wishing you success in everything you do. Well, it was a pleasure to talk to you. It's always wonderful. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and host. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.